Never miss a single podcast by signing up for our newsletter at myfeminineheart.com. Welcome back to another episode of My Feminine Heart. I am here with Holly Evans, who is the president of Transcentral PA. Good morning. Nice to, nice to talk to you, Cassandra. Thank you so much for coming in. Uh, so uh, Holly has come in to share the story of her transition, the journey that she has been on in this life. Uh, but we're actually here at like kind of a, a pivotal time. Uh, we are within um, five days of the Keystone Conference yes. being canceled. Yes. So um, by the time this airs, we will um, have been in that week or, or a little after, but we are now dealing with the repercussions of the coronavirus and everything that is happening. A, a very di- it was a very difficult decision, but yet a very obviously an obvious decision, but knowing that how, how everyone has looked forward to coming to the conference, how yeah. it, it, it's an opportunity for many of the people in our community to come together and have a good time and get out and celebrate and be themselves. It was tough because we knew how many people were coming and some coming for the first time. It was just a, it was a tough decision. Yeah. And, um, you know, I love that you made the decision so proactively. You know, this is changing from day to day and week to week. You know, I, I, I go on my Facebook memories and they're giving me memories of a year ago. And I'm like, just my memories from a week ago or two weeks ago where yeah. we thought like two weeks ago, I bought plane tickets to go visit my parents out West. Um, you know, and, and how things are so quickly changing. It is. It is. Uh, so um, as of right now, uh, you are president of Transcentral PA. That's Transcentral PA is still meeting. Yeah, we are actually having a meeting this evening. This is our monthly meeting, which is on the second Saturday of the month. Uh, normally, the March meeting is a small group meeting because of the conference. Obviously, not having the conference tonight or this month, we may have a few more members, and we have people who need to have the time to get together. And it's a way to provide support for those who otherwise would not have that opportunity right now. Um, it'll, it won't be a large group. We will obviously keep our distance and, and be, be cognizant of the reason why we canceled the conference. But we will still have our, our monthly meeting tonight and provide that support for the members who are local. You know, there are so many people who are, who are going to be missing out on Keystone who could use Transcentral PA as a, as a resource. Yes. So how can somebody get involved and come to the support group? How can somebody find Transcentral PA? Well, first off, our website, Transcentral PA, uh, you can go to the website to get information about us, about the organization. Is that .com, .org? Uh, .org. .org. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and find, you know, find the website first off. Uh, through the website, you'll find the other information about when we meet, where we meet. We are not, it's not so secretive that you have to go through some special vetting process to find the meetings, get to the meetings. We are, we are very open about where we are at, who we are, and who, how, why we are there to support the transgender community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you always meet in the city of Harrisburg. Yes. And how wide of a range do you feel, feel people travel in? We have people coming in from Pittsburgh, from State College, from Philadelphia, from Baltimore, from Washington, D.C. So people come in, they'll do a two, three, four hour drive. One they'll way. Actually, one way. They'll get hotel rooms in town to come to the monthly meetings for the support that they are able to obtain. And again, I'll say to you, to me, when I first went to my first Transcentral, Trans-Central PA meeting, that was the best, that, that was the biggest part of my life that helped me in, in, in my transition and provided me the support. And I understand why people make that trip. Yeah. No, it, the work that you do is is absolutely incredible. And before we leave the topic of the Keystone Conference completely, yeah. um, you know, there are a lot of people who are going to be vendors um, in addition to the attendees, a lot of people who are going to be presenting uh, who need your support. Yes. 
there are still ways to buy products and services from the vendors from Keystone. So if you have any extra that you can spend, these are people who were probably buying more product mm -hmm. and spending money to prepare for the conference. Yes, please. I mean, go to the Keystone website, go to the Transcentral website, and find your way into the Keystone uh, conference website. Find, find the vendors who are going to be there. Find a way to please support them. Go to their sites, whether they were makeup artists, whether they were people presenting wigs, whether they're physicians and doctors who, uh, or therapists who offered information. You may find information through the website that you're still looking for because it's so much, what's so important through the, the conference, what I found, even going back to my first conference, was the connections you make. Yeah. And through those vendors, through those uh, people giving the presentations, through the uh, workshops, and please support them because they are there to support us as well. Yeah. And they've spent all this time preparing to come. If you are in need of support, if you are in need of some of the services, still look for them through our website. Yeah. And there are um, service providers who, like myself, were taking reservations and mm -hmm. I take prepayments. And I just want to give a big thank you to anybody um, who had offered for me to give them a credit. I know that there are other vendors kind of in that position as well. And it, you know, this honestly, the first thing I did when I saw the email that Keystone was canceled before it sunk in at all, it was like seven o'clock in the morning. I messaged my promotional products guy and I said, cancel the order. Like, stop any more spending that was going in to prepare for the conference. Well, I will say to you and you know, Joanne and Christy and myself, we understand how much effort it took by the, by the vendors and presenters. And we worked with the hotel because obviously initially there was a one-night cancellation uh, fee that was going to be assessed that anybody did not cancel prior to the 1st of March. The hotel was willing to waive that fee. Yeah. We have been trying to work with the vendors and make sure that we're making everybody's whole as we possibly can relative to the participants refunding all their all their fees, all their costs, and trying to work with and when this clears, you know, such a fan of the Sheridan. I mean, they've just been amazing. Oh, when yes. it's safe to go out again, please patron the dog and pony. Um, you know, if you have guests coming in town, if you're local, have guests come and stay there. The Sheraton, again, yes, they have been spectacular. I mean, they have really worked with us because they know the hit they're taking because they had that hotel sold out to our group for the conference, and they're going to be, they're going to take a, a brunt of this. So if you're ever in the Harrisburg area, if you ever come to a Trans Central meeting, if you're ever coming to visit the area, please pay it, you know, pay, patronize the Sheraton. They've been a fantastic supporter of ours. Uh, I can't I can't say enough words that let you know how happy we have been and how how blessed we have been to have them as a supporter of our program of our of our group. And uh, speaking of, so uh, usually when I'm on the podcast, I would say ninety percent of the time you see me wearing J and J Creation jewelry. Um, but today uh, I was just gifted these beautiful earrings. So Holly and I are twinning. Um, this was from somebody who was coming to the conference for the first time yes. as a vendor. A very good friend of mine, actually, uh, a young lady who I got to meet uh, back last fall. Best way to put it, uh, she is actually on a ventilator and in a wheelchair, but she makes these earrings, and she was coming to the conference to support the transgender community. And I had asked her to come, and I was going to you know, help her sort of support her business with these beautiful earrings. And I love you know the, the rainbow colors and everything. Uh, and I love that they are like light and kind of pastel so that they kind of could match a different outfit if you have other rainbow jewelry that's a little more vibrant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And 
I'll give information later on as far as you can, on, on how, to, how to reach out to her. Oh, we if, can share it right okay. now. Um, so we have little packets of her jewelry. Um, I, you know, I don't have my glasses on. So sure. where's it's her? A, and we can, You're a gem. And I did make a post onto the onto the Keystone website. There's a post on there with her information on the it's you're a gem. So again, she's just a young lady who has spent had a, a difficult life relative to her personal life, and she was coming to support our the transgender community. She's a great supporter of us, and I felt bad for her and wanted to let people see what beautiful work she does. Yeah, I just love them. I just love them. So, so. but that's. You know, one thing that I've appreciated, I know when people have come and hired me, they haven't always needed a photo shoot, but they've patroned me anyway. And they have said, I always buy a wig from Donna. I always get a makeover from each makeup artist. You know, I like they go to support everybody. They can, and you can, the whole point, you can still do it online. Yes. So I hope that you are home and staying safe and healthy and respecting all the guidelines that the CDC and yes. who is putting out there. Um, but anyway, you are actually here mm -hmm. to share your journey. Sure. And one of the reasons that I'm, I'm so excited for you to be sitting down uh, with me today is the Keystone Conference is enormous. Yes. It is run by Transcentral PA. Yes, it is. Um, by co-chairs, you know, Christy Snow and Joanne Carroll. That who, is correct. Who work, who work tirelessly. As though it on. is a full-time plus overtime yes. paid job, but yes. it's not. It's all volunteer. Yes. Um, but they, they handle it like it's a full-time career. And, um, but this is, you know, so this is a major fundraiser for Transcentral PA. And this is an organization that typically brings a thousand people together, this one event. And not only I mean, the whole part of the program, the whole part of the conference is to provide support, to provide educational information and uh, and support, and also fun for members from the transgender community. But then out of this program, we do raise money, which we're able to give back to the community and provide support to other programs in the central Pennsylvania area. So any proceeds that we do make out of the conference is turned around immediately throughout the year and given back to the community, whether it is through a, a support group for parental member, or parents of transgender individuals, whether it is uh, support to, through programs that Alder Health may be having or other centers may be having, it's our way of being able to take the proceeds here and give back to the transgender community. So I feel like you know people see you, and I love to have people who have achieved so much on this show. Uh, so it can be a reminder that you have not been out very long. No, I have not. You And you have not transitioned all that long ago. I have not. And you already, as a volunteer, are the president of this organization that does so much for the community and runs such a major event. So, um, you know, I'd love to kind of go back through your history sure. and share if you are at home and you're thinking, I could never do something like that. I could never be a Holly. I could never be transitioned like her and have the success that she's had. And is out and proud and running this major organization. Um, no one's ever going to be Holly. Oh. But <laughs> you can get there too because you were, this was not always you. I mean, you're showing no. me pictures of what you used to look like. Yes. Um, you know, you have, you have come a very long way, but you have made it um, so gracefully. And it's, I'd love to share the story because I know it's attainable for other people who are it out may, there. It may look gracefully, but let me say to you, it, it, there was some work involved, and there was a lot, lots of, um, there was lots of tearful nights. There was a lot of other things over the years, and I say that meaning, and as I go back, I mean, I've known since I was five years of age that this is who I am. Yeah. All right. 
Um, but growing up in the 60s and the 70s, it was not something you came out and simply said, hey, you know, I want to be a girl. You, you learned to keep it inside. You learned to keep it quiet. You never want to tell anybody. You were afraid. You felt alone. No one, you felt like you were the only person that way. Um, and you must have felt so alone in a house of what? You had, you were one of eight I'm children? I'm one of eight children. I'm number seven of eight. And it was mom, dad, the eight of us, my grandmother, and my aunt all living in the same house in a small community in western Pennsylvania. Wow. And then with all those people surrounding, sometimes I feel like when you're keeping a secret inside or you're not able to share who you are, you can feel so alone even when you're surrounded by people. Very much so. I mean, it, it, it was, you were afraid of anybody finding out about it because you were, at that point in time, I was embarrassed. I didn't know otherwise, the, what, how else to feel. I was scared. I was embarrassed. Um, not you know, thinking that I was the freak. I was a fag. I was something, something was wrong with me. I mean, something had to be wrong with me because it was not normal, or at least And, and you know, you're using presumed. some derogatory terms that I'm sure you heard yes. all the time, 60s, yes. 70s, just floating yes. around. Yeah. And those are the terms that were used at that point in time. And I felt very, uh, how do I put it? it, it I was scared because I, I knew how I felt. And I would, to me, I was told I shouldn't feel this way. You know, society said this was not your norm. This is not, this can't be, you know, normal behavior. Um, so, you know, you've known since you were five. Yes. And, you know, as a teenager, did you start to contemplate, well, maybe someday I could just go off somewhere and transition or? With Renee Richards and a few other people that I had heard of in my, I'll say my late teens, all right? I got to a point in my life about the age of 20 where I had to make a decision whether, you know, I was partially through college and it was time to make a decision in my life for various reasons, whether to, I had heard about transgender individuals, I thought about seeking out, you know, help at that point in time, or whether I needed to just go on and live the life I was expected to live. And I made the choice at that point in time, at the age of 20, to live the life I was expected, the life everyone assumed I would live. And I, you know, moved, left my Western Pennsylvania home I moved to Harrisburg back then, and I enrolled in Penn State University's Harrisburg campus to finish my college education and go on in a career that I have pursued ever since. Um, so you understand, I've got no regrets on how I've lived my life, all right? Though I felt I fought the battle, I've got no regrets because had I not moved to Harrisburg, had I not come here, I would not have met the person who I married, who I love very dearly. So, I mean... And who you're still with today. Yes, I am. I mean, I... I've got no regrets because the family that I have has been so supportive of me. So in that regards, it was a tough decision back then, but it was a decision I, I'm glad I made yeah. at the time. You would not be you now had Correct. you lived your life any other way, and, and that's okay. That's okay. So you um, met the love of your life very yes. young. Very young. Very young. I was uh, 21 years of age when I met my spouse. Um, actually, we met in January. We were engaged by May. Wow. Uh, we got married about a year and a half later because I had to finish my... I promised that I would finish my college schooling and have a job before we get married. So, mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, we got married uh, over 35 years ago. Congratulations. That is an incredible milestone anniversary. And you have children. I have two grown children, yes, and mm -hmm. uh, a daughter-in-law and a future son-in-law. So, yes. So what was this like coming out to your family? You have, I, I mean, it sounds like a farm family. You have like a dozen people in the household you're growing up in. 
you have a wife, you have two children. At what point in your life did you say, I'm ready? Well, because let me say to you, there were many times in my life that I would fight, you know, the, the urges. We all we all deal with these, the feelings, the, the dysphoria that comes out. So in multiple times throughout my life, I went through the battle of how I felt and then trying to hide it and purging. And how did you, how did you hide your feelings? Like, what did I, you do? Whether it be food, I mean, uh, I would take food as a comfort. I would find ways to distract myself. My work became my distraction. I would... Basically, I consume myself with material things to satisfy me, to deal with my desire to feel happy. It became material things, how, how much of this I could acquire, how much of whatever else I could uh, uh, obtain, uh, what piece of property I could buy, what, what, what item it was. It was all materialistically you know, satisfying me. But once I satisfied myself with that materialistic item, I had to do something else. I had to keep trying to bury those feelings. Um, and that, I fought my life that way from my, you know, my twenties clear up into my early fifties. Had you thought about transitioning along the way when these feelings surfaced, or did you try to bury the feelings? I wanted trans. I mean, there, there were times I'd go to bed at night, waiting to wake up as a female. All right, I, I would want to, but yet I had, I felt the obligation to my family, to my children, you know, to those around me. As much as I wanted to, I was afraid to at that point in time. And it was not until my children had finally grown and were out of the house and on their own that I felt like finally I could be free. And I think, you know, I, we hear that story a lot. People will say, well, I, when I retire, when the children are grown, or, you know, there, there are those milestones. Like, if I can just get to there, then I'll transition. And, and it came to me back in the fall of October 14th, where uh, I basically had a, a, one of those moments where I felt that I could no longer live my life as I had been living it, I had to be true to myself. I could, I had to, I had to pursue, I had to, uh, you had address, to, I had to address those feelings. Mm -hmm. All right. I could not go on and be 80 years of age and look back and say, I wish I had, I should have. Now, there was something medical that actually um, spurred that forward for you, wasn't there? Um, back prior, a few years prior to that, I have an older sister who needed a kidney transplant. And I had gone, I was probably about 275, 280 pounds in weight. And I had gone on a diet to get well and get fit for her. Wow. And because I had offered to donate a kidney to her as part of the transplant because she needed a kidney. And in the process of losing all the weight for that, all of a sudden the feelings, the, the dysphoria came on extremely strong. Um, and at that point, in time, I, 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 had, I had a time at that point in my life where I wanted to transition as well. But again, my children are still young. But the feelings that came on uh, brought, you know, again, as all of us do feel, we all go through this process. Um, but, you know, not long after, maybe a year after the transplant, I went back to the comfort foods. I went back to other ways of trying to bury these you know, and that's that's a, a common tale. You know, uh, Danny Bo had shared the mm -hmm. comfort eating as well and had a medical issue and, and finally had to lose the weight. And that's one of the reasons that um, some of our top experts on My Feminine Heart are health professionals. They're health experts to help people because I, I go through the same thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I come, I'm a comfort eater. I struggle um, with my weight, and I always feel like the heavier I am, the, less dis the, the more disconnected I am to my body. Mm -hmm. That as I lose weight, the thinner I am, the better I feel about myself, but the more aware I am it of my body. Correct, mm -hmm. correct. Yeah, so it's like you know when you're when you're larger, 
you can gain or lose a few pounds and never notice. When you're smaller, you gain a pound, you know. Yeah, and so you understand, I don't, I don't want to make this about weight per se. It, it mm-hmm. was just my, that, this was me personally. This was yeah. me personally. Everybody, everybody has to be happy with themselves. It's all about being healthy, but for you, as you were losing weight, you I, would feel I more would, connected to I, your family. I felt more so. oh, most definitely because I could see myself in the mirror. I could see myself becoming the person I always envisioned in the mirror. Um, although you know certain parts were still masculine, by losing the weight, all of a sudden I could escape to be being who I was. Uh, I could, you know, when my spouse would go out of town and take one of her kids to a a soccer tournament or a field hockey tournament or a football weekend, all right, I would offer to stay home and say, you know, you go, you have the weekend with our, with the, you know, with, with Beth or with Chaz. I'm going to stay home. What they didn't realize was I was staying home to connect with me and Holly, to be myself. Uh, it was an opportunity for me to uh, find comfort in who I really was and escape, you know, what I had been living. So what were those weekends like? So throughout your throughout a lot of your marriage, you know, your children are growing up, you would have a weekend here or there as Holly. Would you just stay buttoned up in the house? Would you leave? I would say buttoned up in the house for the most part until it got late at night. Mm-hmm. All right. When it would get late at night and I would do all the things that you're not supposed to do, by the way. I say this because I would then go out for a car ride. You know, I'd get dressed up, you know, makeup, my clothing. Um, I did not have a wig at that point in time, so obviously, you know, it was not quite as presentable as I wish I could have been. Um, but I would get in a car. I'd go for a drive somewhere. I would go down, find a development that was under construction or something going on where you know there were some, still some roads and some street lights, but maybe nobody living on, on the back roads, and get out and go for a walk. Or I'd go to a shopping center after closing hours when the lights were still on, and I would walk the, the outside of a mall. All right. I feel like you were putting yourself in very dangerous situations doing I was doing, doing everything this. you should not do. Yeah, I would not advocate doing this. Correct. That's yeah. why. That's why I'm saying this because these are things you should not be doing. Yeah. And instead, I should have been. I should have been true to myself sooner in my life. Yeah. Um, but I would go out and you know, find ways to at least feel comfortable with who I was. But I would never interact with anybody. I was always always too too afraid to interact or to um, be with any other people because I was afraid someone would find out. You know, I was I was afraid that someone would find out it would get back to my family and I would lose everything. Yeah. So, but something happened in 2014. You hit a moment where you said, this, I can't go back. Correct. I'm going to have to transition. Correct. I, I got to a point where, um, to myself, I had to be myself. I had to be true to myself. I could no longer live the life. Um, I wasn't happy. All right, I was fulfilling myself with, with materialistic items, but I was not personally happy. What happened, or was it just a culmination of things? Did you just arrive to it, or was there something that actually actually happened? Nothing, that, no, nothing, nothing actually that happened. That flipped that switch. It, no, was, it, was, it, just, was, it a, was that aha moment. It was that point in time in my life where just working out one day, trying to get myself fit again, trying to start, you know, trying to battle that part of me that was eating, that part of me that was trying to comfort my way into bearing my feelings. And I was tired of bearing those feelings. And basically it hit me, you know, during working out one day that I'm done. I'm done hiding this. I'm done bearing this. I'm going to be who I I am. I need to let everyone know who I am. So what did that process look like for you? So that was 2014. At what point did you start to tell people? It was not until September of 2015, 
Uh, I looked for a weekend that was not associated with any other article, no birthdays, no, 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 no special weekend. I looked for a weekend that was uh, unattached to anything else, so it was like holidays, whatever else, and a weekend that my spouse and I were going to be home together. Mm-hmm. And, and at a, this point, the children are out of the house. Children are out of the house. Or they're, they're in college, so they are not at home, but they're not married. They're just, you know, at a point in their life, they're they are becoming young adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lisa and I were laying in bed one evening on a Friday night, and it took some nerve to start telling her and tried hint, hinting the conversation. I asked her if she understood what you know what transgender is, if she knew what cross-dressing was. Did she? She understood what cross-dressing was. All right, and all of a sudden I got these odd questions. Why are you asking me these kind of questions? And I had to explain to her. I had to let her know what feelings I had been dealing all my life, and what I had been dealing with, and. This was several hours of just, you know, laying side by side and talking to my spouse and crying. And, you know, I look back how wonderful, how fortunate I am with the spouse I have. I mean, she could have got up and left right there. All right. We had the weekend together to talk about this and understand, you know, we as transgender individuals, we're dealing with this all of our life. We, we, know what to say we we have been dealing with this battle all of our life but the day you come out you tell your spouse they're learning about it for the very first time this is something for them that you know i'm rocking her world and i say this because if you're going to say to somebody if you're going to come out to someone for the first time your spouse or loved one give them time they need time to take this in do not thrust this upon them give them you know be be careful be respectful of their feelings my spouse did not ask for this, and I say this that I needed to tell her slowly, give her an opportunity to take it in one step at a time, one piece at a time. Would you have changed any of the way that you told her? No. Okay. There is nothing. I, I spent, you know, the months up to telling my spouse about what I was about to share with her, I spent God knows how much time researching how to and how not to share this. And I found snippets of different people who had gone through from those who had done some items very similar to what I have done to those who had done things quite the opposite. And the response, the reactions they got. And I found the time, which I'll share with you later, as how I told my siblings and my uh, children, things that worked for me, ways to tell them without showing up and surprising them and scaring them. And I say scaring them, meaning, you know, they're not prepared for this. This is not something they're expecting to come home to one day. So when I told my spouse on a Friday night, we had all day Saturday together to talk, to hold hands, to hug each other, to cry together. We had all day Sunday to do the same. I had taken some pictures of myself that my spouse had not seen as I was, you know, transitioning, as I would go off when she'd be out of town and I'd be looking and feeling good about myself. I took some pictures of myself that that Saturday afternoon, I asked her, do you want to see pictures? Do you want to see what I look like? Do you want to understand? And she was receptive. So I shared some pictures. So some very That sounds like simple... a very gentle way instead of just let me dress for you. Let me show you a photo. Correct. Yeah. And that, that's what I wanted to do. I did not want to overload. I, it's, it's, a lot of men, it's a lot of information to take in. Mm-hmm. And she needed the time to take that information in. I think we have some of your pictures here. Are these the ones that you showed her? I yes. know you said this one with the blonde hair. Yes. At, <laughs> yeah. at the time I was first first coming out or first uh, uh, getting ready to come out, 
I, of course, had this obsession for blonde hair, so I bought this long blonde wig on Amazon. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, and I, I, I mean, you look up. very, we will be sharing this in the video. You look very <laughs> different as a blonde, by the way. I like it. It's, it's different. It is, it is definitely different. Um, I want to say this. Prior to coming out to my, to my spouse, I had went and I got a uh, UPS box, you know, one of these UPS mm -hmm. stores. And I was ordering stuff on Amazon, having it delivered to the UPS box so I could go pick up the items. And that's how I acquired the blonde wig. I, you know, I purchased through Amazon. And it, it came to my UPS uh, box. And so I was hiding these things in the house. I had a place I was able to keep things. But again, I shared these photographs with my spouse to let her see without giving her a complete overload. So she was still talking to me as a person visually. That she knew. That she knew, the person that she married. But she was actually, what she was doing, she was just learning about another part of me. It wasn't that... I wasn't a different person. This is a part of me that I had not shared with my spouse, a part that I had not told her about, a part that I needed to let her know, a part that I needed to come out and, and be able to be and present and to fully be who I was. Yeah. Um, I feel like, am I looking at this, the evolution of you? I can see, you know, when you were struggling a little bit more in your style and yes. then, you know, it eventually kind of coming together. I feel like you're coming together more here yes. with hair and makeup and your yes. clothing. You know, I've always known you as a very professional person. You look very professionally dressed here that, versus the blonde hair and the pink skirt. And the blonde hair and pink skirt. Come on. We all go through, all of us go through this puberty stage as, we, as we're going through a transition. All right. Mm -hmm. We miss those ages of, of, of 13 through 21 where we are experimenting with our, with our clothing, our fashion, our... Uh, our makeup and stuff, and we'll cake it on too heavily, or we'll buy this overly loud, overly bright, overly uh, wild, wild Just, outfit because yeah. trying to express ourselves. And we all go through this. This is something we're all used to doing, you know. And I have to say, I'm sidestepping a little bit. My spouse was so wonderful as as I transitioned to help me be comfortable in casual clothing, be Holly, and not have to always worry about being. All dressed up and all going up and up. And you don't have to wear a dress. So you don't correct. have to wear high heels. You're in jeans right now. Yes. You look fabulous. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, and you you you're in a sweater, but it's like the sexiest, cutest of sweaters. Thank but it's you. like it's you know it's a casual shirt. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And my my spouse, and again, I, we're jumping forward. He says, but she's taught me how to be comfortable being a female and not having to always be in five inch heels and in a short skirt and whatever else. I can be feminine and be perfectly comfortable in a pair of jeans and my sweater. Yeah. Well, being a woman and feeling feminine, it's not about what's on the outside. No. It's, it's about what's on the inside. Yes. And yeah. when I feel like when you have gone through that transition journey, you you understand that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So backing up, so you're yeah. in this ultra mega weekend with yep. your with your wife. Yes. Um, Lisa sounds like an incredible person. You're showing her these photos Saturday. You have yes. the, you talk for hours Friday gently. Yeah. Saturday, you've given her space. You show her photos. Did you actually show her Holly? Yes, actually, okay. come Sunday, she said, "I want to see. I'd like to see you as Holly. I want to see you present. I want to see you, you know, get ready. I want to see how comfortable she she need, she needed to process this, and this is her way." And understand everybody is different. So understand just because this is what how we went through our time together, everyone's everyone's transition can be a little bit different. But Lisa wanted to see how comfortable she wanted to understand how comfortable I really was as a female. And did she want to actually watch you put on makeup or did she want to see you just after you were no, made up? She wanted she wanted to see me, you know, putting the makeup on. 
coming together and being and transitioning. She, for her, that was her way of taking it in and absorbing it slowly, piece by piece. How did you feel doing that in front of her for the first time? I was nervous, but at the same time, I was relieved. I could finally, after after years of hiding, in our 31 years of marriage at that point in time, this was the only thing I ever kept from her. I would, I would never lie to her. I would never keep anything from her. But this issue, and this felt like the biggest item, this biggest weight that I could not share with her. And being able to get dressed and share with her and, and be who I was at that time in front of her, it was a relief. So stressful, yes, but at the same time, it was the biggest relief in, for me. I bet you found like 50 pounds later. Oh, God, this. yes. Yeah. God, yes. The, sh the weight on my shoulders just felt like it just had lifted at that point in time. But understand, I'm still scared because at any time, all, all the things that we had done together as a couple, understand we work together, we build our business together, we go to work. Though we... Uh, we are at work together. We do travel separately in separate cars to give us our independence. But you know, we're, we are together 24-7, whether we're at the office working, whether we're at home in the evenings. I mean, my life is with my spouse. And I, you know, when I made the decision to come out, this was going to rock our lives greatly. And obviously hers unexpectedly very much so. Yeah. So uh, you got through Sunday. Mm -hmm. And this is 2015. September 2015. And what this, was well? Oh, go ahead. Okay. At this point, I had never, I had not sought any kind of therapy or support. The only other support I got was what I could find, you know, surfing the web or whatever I could find, reading uh, blogs. But I'm sorry. So, what was the next step? You know, while this is slowly filtering into your into your marriage, while this, she's absorbing it over time. At this point in time, it'd be the occasional in the evening, I would get dressed and I could be Holly at home. And I'm saying Holly was a name that did not come until later. So I'm referring to Holly, but at this point in time, the name is not associated with, with who, I, who I was presenting or how I was presenting. But I started searching out, and that's when I found Transcentral PA. And I started emailing to Transcentral. And at the time, Joanne uh, Carol, Carol was, the, was the president. And Joanne had emailed me back and, and offered to please come and join Transcentral at a meeting, come to them, come for therapy, or not therapy, but come for support, you know, that I had no idea this is in my own backyard. I mean, all this time, these years are going on. The Keystone Conference was going on right in my backyard. Transcentral PA was here in my backyard. And had I known it sooner, I would have been there sooner. But I had just found out about it at that time in my life. And... So I went to my very first Transcentral PA meeting in January of 2016. And did you go by yourself or did Lisa join you? At that time, I went by myself. I mean, again, Lisa was still taking things in. She was still absorbing, but she was also being supportive. And, you know, her way of being supportive was, please go. You need, you, you need to find friends who you share this with, people you can talk to, people you can find support in. Um, and so, you know, I went to my very first Transcentral meeting and... When I walked in the doors, I was greeted by nothing but love and support. And at this point in time, this was the very first time I had ever, as presenting as female, had ever encountered another adult other than, other than Lisa. I mean, this is the first time I was ever out talking to people, engaging in conversation, engaging in fellowship with anybody else, presenting as female. That's incredible. And I was nervous, but I mean, once I walked in that room, you know, the love and support that was there that I felt was amazing. Um, Do you remember some of the people that you met that first meeting? Yeah. 
Jen Lehman and her, her spouse Karen were the first two that I met that evening. Um, so supportive, and they, they had become very important to our relationship, to Lisa and my relationship going forward, the two of them. Uh, Janelle Crosley and, and Cindy, the two of them, we met at uh, our very first meeting. They too became very important and very supportive of us, as well as Joanne Carroll and Katie Ward and other people who are all part of Trans Central PA then and who are still part of the organization today. Well, obviously it made an impact on you that just within a few years you decided to lead the organization and become president. It was, I, I needed to get involved as, I, as that group supported me. I have to say, Cass, as that group supported me in 16 and 17, you know, I had a calling, I had a feeling I needed to be out and support the transgender community. And that has become my desire to support and to be out there to help where I can. Uh, and that's why I, I got involved as an officer of the organization and ultimately became president of Trans Central PA. Mm-hmm. Um, as a, finding a way to support and give back to the community to help others like myself. Um, and even with that, we have our monthly support group meetings, but we also have a support group for, for parents of transgender individuals. Oh, very nice. Very. I'm sorry. Um, now, paint the picture for me. Mm-hmm. So you're walking into this meeting for somebody who's never been to a support group before. Mm-hmm. Is it like what we see on TV when people sit in on like an AA meeting and everybody's getting up and introducing themselves and, and taking their turn talking? How, what's the meeting like? Or is it just people gathering and having coffee and donuts? Our typical meeting, when we come together, meetings open up around 8 o'clock. People come in. Actually, there's a small group that may go to dinner ahead of time. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, those members who have been, to, who've been coming consistently, part of the, pro, part of the whole organiz- or the support is to help make the members comfortable going out and getting involved in the community, helping the community get to understand who we are as transgender individuals. So when you come to the actual meeting, the first half hour, 45 minutes, may be a very simple social, you know, grabbing a cup of coffee, grabbing a beverage, a cookie, a cracker, a chip, and talking to those who are already there, just sort of showing up. Then we have a more formal meeting from like 8.30 to 9.30, where we go over items. Everybody gets a moment to introduce himself, give an icebreaker kind of comment. And that icebreaker comment is really, it's for those who may be coming for the first time, who are a little bit shy, who don't want to talk, to give them a chance to say something and feel comfortable and let them know that they can speak, they can talk, they can, they can, they can voice their concerns there. We want them not to go sit back in a corner and be shy with them. We want them to be engaged. So we do the icebreaker to give them a chance to say something about themselves, talk about themselves a little bit. And then we may cover items that were transpired since the last month. We'll talk about things coming up. We'll talk about the Keystone Conference and what's going on at the Keystone Conference. Uh, we'll talk about maybe therapists, if they need to find therapists. And again, the part of the meeting is to talk, someone who may come to the meeting who has not been there before, who's looking for uh, information on, uh, on uh, hormones or on looking for a therapist or looking for wigs or looking for something that they can't find. By coming to the monthly meeting, you're going to find someone who's already dealt with what you're about to deal with. So I, I may be able to give them recommendations of a doctor to go see or a therapist to go talk to or if they're looking for where they can find shoes or where they can find clothing that fits or a store that's accepting and, and, and open to them coming in and talking. Those are things they can find by just simply coming to the meetings and talking to the members who are there who are going through or have been through what they're about to go through. And the meeting doesn't just end there because no. there's like some no. socializing afterwards. Correct. 
Yeah. We do the one-hour formal meeting, but then after that, we may hang around at, the, at our meeting venue for an extra half hour, 45 minutes, and then a group of us will go out for drinks. And by drinks, it does not have to be alcoholic drinks. You know, I'm, I, want, I enjoy a glass of wine, but I may just go out and get club soda and lime. And we'll go to the Sheraton, the Dog and Pony, or we'll go to another local establishment who supports our group and go out, have a drink, have a snack, have a bite to eat. And this is all part of the program. The, the purpose of this is to help those people, those members of our group, to become comfortable going out and getting out in public. So up until all this time, you had only dressed alone. Yes. And then you showed your wife. Mm-hmm. And then you're walking into your first support group. Mm-hmm. Did you actually have the guts to go out and do drinks with everyone afterwards? So I, first off, I had no idea they did this. So, oh, okay. So when I show up at the very first support group meeting, I'm thinking I'm walking into like an AA kind of meeting where I'm going to yeah. walk in. You think of what you inter- see on TV. Thank you. I'm going to introduce myself. I'm going to be there, sit around a table, share basic information, and get up. I'm going to leave. Little did I know, as I'm sitting there walking in that, that very first evening, and Jen Lehman introduces herself to me, and I was talking to get to know Jen. And by the way, I'm an engineer, and Jen's an engineer. I'm surprisingly engineers I found out that are transgender. Um, so we, start, we, 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 we form a connection right there. Uh, and she says to me, well, are you going to join us for drinks afterwards? I'm going to join you for drinks afterwards. Oh, yeah, after, after the meeting, a whole bunch of us go out, and we'll have a drink and get together and go out. And here I am, you have to understand... You know, I'm out for the very first time truly in public. I'm in a pair of five-inch heels and a, and a nice professional skirt and a nice blouse. And, but that was the last thing I was expecting was to go out afterwards for drinks. And I'm like, give it a second thought. You know, something? Yes, hell with it. I'm going out. I'm going to join you. I'm going to be part of this group. It's an opportunity. I had never had that opportunity before. And I, it was... You know, we go out for drinks afterwards, and I was so supported by the group, by the other members of the Trans Central PA, who were right there beside me to give me the support, to escort me from my car, because, you know, the restaurant we went to was in downtown Harrisburg. We had to park in a parking garage across the street, so I, I go to the garage, and there were other members there to support and walk me across the street and escort me, because, again, I had never been out like this. I'm, I'm in downtown Harrisburg, walking across 2nd Street. We walk into an establishment. And sit down, and there's maybe about a dozen of us having drinks. And here I'm in out in public for the very first time, as you know, as Holly. You must have been on cloud nine. I was, I was, I was ecstatic and nervous all at the same time, uh, because I did not. I mean, I was not expect when I left that evening to go to the support group meeting. I was not expecting this. This was the last thing I was expecting. But I couldn't have felt freer. I couldn't have felt more comfortable. I was, I was surrounded by friends. I have made so many friends because of this. Um, I can't express to you the you know the love and support I had there and how free how, how great I felt doing that and getting out. I stayed I was out with them till one o'clock in the morning that night. Oh my goodness. Before I drove home and I got home and I couldn't go to sleep. I was so ecstatic. I was just I I didn't want to get out of the clothing I'd been wearing. I had such a wonderful time and the friends I had met there were just so fantastic. And you know, cutting back to how alone you felt growing up. I mean, that must have been just one of the, like, what, top five moments of your life? Yes. I mean, just... Yes. Yeah. I mean, I could... After going through, through years of feeling alone and as if I was doing something wrong, to finally find out that I wasn't by myself, to find friends out there, find a community that I belong to, all right? And I please understand when I say a community I belong to, I belong... I be, we, we all belong to the entire... Every, 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 we all belong, period, all right? But to first off, find support to help me gain the confidence that I needed to be myself, to let people know who I was 
and not really care whether people, um, I didn't care whether people judge me anymore. I mean, I am who I am, accept me. And I don't mean that in a very arrogant way. I mean, I am, today I am so comfortable with who I am because of the experiences I went through and because of the support that I got. Yeah. So um, you, I, I'm assuming you went back. Yeah, <laughs> you're becoming quite the passionate member of this group. Um, have you ever gotten Lisa there? Yes. It, it was probably a good year to a year and a half after I started going to the meetings before Lisa would go. And understand Transcentropia, we also run a support group for significant others, for the spouses, for the significant others of transgender individuals. So through the, through the, the spousal support group program, Lisa then started coming and getting involved. She came to a couple of meetings. There she got to meet Karen, who is the spouse of Jen. All right, mm-hmm. Karen Lehman. That must have meant a lot to her it, it to did. see other spouses. It did. And actually, part of, you know, when I first started coming out and going to the meetings, I sought out other married transgender individuals who were able to maintain that, that marriage, who were able to keep that marriage together. Um, and Lisa and I would do our own way of going out and having dinner with them and meeting with them at, at, their, at their house or someplace away from the Harrisburg area because at that time I could not go out locally because people too many people knew me as my prior self and for Lisa and I to go out together they would see you would have been spotted would have been spotted yeah. so we would go to Lancaster we would go to York we would go to Philadelphia and again through the other uh, transgender spouses we had to know Lisa and I would go to Philadelphia and go out to dinner with Karen and Jen Lehman so prior to her coming to the actual meeting she was getting support by other spouses of Mm-hmm. members of the transgender or, or transcentral PA. So, so, so support can wear, wear so many masks. Yes. I mean, support can come yes. from a support group. It could come from a friend. It could come from a therapist. It could come from an online community. Correct. Like you, There's so many places you can get that. And yes. I I'm, I'm love that you had found the right way for her and, and that t- together you two navigated that. And I want to say on that, it, and I, I, as I try to tell people who are going through the transition, this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. Don't be in a hurry. Please take your time because oftentimes if you rush through the process, you're going to break a lot of glass, you know, break a lot of china, break a lot of glass in the process. It was important for me. It was important to me to keep my family together to take the time and give my spouse the time that she needed yeah. to process this. And ultimately, when we told our children to give our children the time to process this. So who came next um, when you were coming out? Did you tell your children next? Actually, uh, as I said, Lisa was September 15. It was April of 17 that I finally told a sister and a brother. One of the, the seven that you have. Well, and yes. how, did you, how did you tell them? Uh, in both cases, what I've done is I sat down and I wrote a long letter to all my siblings, a very personal letter to my siblings, explaining to them what I had dealt with all my life how I was feeling, and what I wanted to share with them. Because I knew that when I would tell them, we would get off, we would sidetrack. I may not say everything I wanted to say, or that later they may not remember exactly what I said. So first off, you know, my siblings live all in various places in the, I, throughout the United States, everywhere from Chicago to New York, to North Carolina, to Florida, to Western PA. So Lisa and I would make scheduled trips to go visit them and we, we flew out to Chicago to visit my brother or I flew to Florida to visit my sister and I would take the letter with me I took pictures with me all right again I'm still living as my pri- prior self mm-hmm. um, and so I took this information with me and 
by this time I had lost 100 pounds from weight. I need to sidetrack for a second here. So when I was going to visit my siblings, they thought I was coming to tell them I had cancer, that I was sick, that I was dying. And you had shared, and we I'll share that here if you like, um, you had sent me photos before our interview, and you, you, you looked very thin. Yes. Yeah. I had lost a lot of weight. I looked gaunt. I looked sick. Um, and so they all assumed I was sick, and I was coming to talk to them about, about, about being sick. And instead, I was going to tell them in a one-on-one, very personal basis, what I had dealt with for the last 50 years of my life and that what was about to come, what was about to happen, that I was, you know, going through, going, I was transitioning because I had already, I had already started on hormones. I had already had other items I had addressed as part of my transition that I had not told anybody else about that only myself and Lisa had known about. Mm-hmm. All right. Some very personal items. I'll simply leave it at that. And well, and you have your, your letter here, yes. um, which is, I will say, several pages long, um, and I, I can't thank you enough for sharing this with me. Um, yeah, I feel like you really, I hear so many people talk about letters yeah. and how you have this big momentous conversation and sometimes it doesn't come out the way you want, or sometimes you forget to say something or you, or you trip over your words or emotions run high and the conversation can't right. continue. Yes. And this is a beautiful way to delicately and deliberately get across all of your points. The nice thing with the letter is I could take the time I wanted to write the letter and think about it and let it develop over a period of time and get all my thoughts out the way I wanted to truly tell my, my, my siblings. I also want to say to you, I did not give them the letter at the time I told them. I told them I had the letter for them because I wanted to have the conversation. I did not want them reading the letter while I'm having the conversation. So the letter was provided to them so when we were done talking, I gave them the letter that they could then go back and reflect on in case there was something that they didn't quite hear, in case there was something they wanted to reflect on later. Well, in all honesty, I, I mean, I myself am not an auditory learner. And when somebody says something that shocks me or surprises me, I lose half of what is said to me next. So my guess is, you know, as you or anyone else is coming out to somebody, when you drop that kind of a bomb, mm-hmm. they probably just hear like the teachers and peanuts, you know, womp, womp, womp. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's, you know, it's this wave of information. You're lucky if you can get any of it. It's like an ocean wave. Um, as I was going through your letter, um, you know, I'm finding parts that really stuck out to me. And I had asked you, you know, is there any part of this that you thought was the most powerful part or the most important part? Yeah. Um, you know, or and we had come across the same section. If you wouldn't mind, I'd, I'd love for you to share. Sure. I'm, I won't have her read the 10 pages of letter I'll, here. I'll, I'll <laughs> but, two paragraphs. Yeah, but it's, um, I, I think it's really, I think it's really pivotal. Sure. Sure. So, and this is in the middle of the letter, and it's actually under a section called history. history. I love, like, you are such an engineer. I feel yeah. like you wrote a doctoral thesis. <laughs> with I bro- well, I, and I broke things out in the letter, and even at the end of the letter, I gave references of places they could go online and look up and get information on being transgender and what it was to, to go through and what causes or what what medically is assumed to be the, you know, the reason and the root of being transgender. So I provided them not only the letter, but I also provided the reference they could go back and they could find support. They could find more information. And if they wanted to research further, they could. Yeah. All right, this starts off, for almost as long as I can remember, say since age five or so, I have always questioned who, who I was and have always uh, wished that I had been born female. 
I remember many times growing up and sneaking off to play dress-up. I will spare you the details, as society at that time was not accepting of this. This feeling would always be there for me as I grew up, and would grow stronger at times. During those times, I would dress up, pretend that I was a female, and then realize that if I got caught, I'd be in trouble. Concerned that, you know, who might catch me, who may ridicule me, laugh at me, make fun of me, they might consider me an outcast, a freak, a fag, etc. The embarrassment followed by, by the rejection was what I feared most as a child, as a teenager. I did not want anybody to find me and, and, and see me because I, I was so, I, did, I felt not normal. I did not realize at that point in time that was not the case. Additionally, as I thought, I thought I was alone, that I was the only one out there like myself. I knew that I wasn't gay, I liked girls. I was not attracted to guys, and this only added to the confusion. So whenever these feelings would grow strong within me, I would need to find a way to suppress them, to, buy, to bury them, to overcome them. And I'll leave it at that. I mean, that's, that was a process I went through, and those feelings, I'll say to you, Cass, would come throughout my life. I mean, those, those feelings of, you know, I knew who I was, and then feeling guilty about it, and having to suppress it and bury that. Um, you know, I always like to ask at, at some point in this podcast, if you could go back in time and give advice to yourself, or if there's one piece of advice you wish you could give to someone else, what would it be? Listen to the feelings. I mean, I look back and, you know, I knew who I was back then. I knew who I was since I was five. I knew I was, you know, at 15, 18, 23, all those times. I kept burying this. I wish I would not have buried him. I mean, obviously, you know, I made choices in my life, but I should have. Well, first, they were they were good feelings, and, and I'm so glad I finally listened to them. But you know, listening to those feelings, and being true to yourself. Yeah. So I wish I, I wish I would have stepped up sooner. Let's put, let me say that. I you know when you reading the words in this letter. Um, if I may, yeah. I mean, when you, when you say, you know, freak and outcast and fag, I mean, it's, that's how I felt. It's, it's it, brutal. And that, to know that that's, those were the things you were hearing yeah. growing up. Those were the things that you feared, you know, you were, or yeah. that people would see you as, yeah. um, wow. And so how did it, how did this get received? You had, you had seven to go. I had seven to go. I Talked to two siblings, like I said, April or so of 2017. And at that time, my, I'll say my, but my, our oldest son was about to get married. His wedding was in June of 17. Our daughter was in her senior year of college, about to graduate as a nurse. And Lisa and I had talked very much about when we were going to share this information with the entire family. And we opted not to, we did not want to steal from the limelight of our son and his, and our daughter-in-law's wedding. We did not want to present something that was going to take away from that important part of their life or something that was going to distract our daughter from her point in college and, and, and finishing up her degree as a nurse. So we made a conscious decision not to go forward telling anybody else until after the wedding. So at my son's wedding in June of 17, when my entire family was there, and I say my entire family, it was the first time we had all been together in about 18 years, all of us as far as nieces, nephews. We had some wonderful photographs sometimes. I'm inside feeling... I'm crying inside, thinking to myself, this may be the last time I see my entire family together, not knowing how they're going to receive what I'm about to tell them. 
Wow. You know, it's a joyous time at the wedding, but at the same time, internally, I was knowing what I was about to share with my my, my whole family in the upcoming next several months. And um, a couple of your siblings you had already told before the wedding. Correct. How, and, you know, some of the times uh, in our interviews, people have shared that they'll tell one person and it's the telephone game on down the yes. line. Um, did your siblings snitch to others' siblings? Did, um, they, did they spill the beans? My sister, I'll say, spilled the beans only to her own, to her spouse and her two children. All right. Um, but I was fine with it. They, they kept it within their family. Uh, they did not spill the beans to my to my other siblings. They did not tell anybody else. So as I started telling my other siblings, they they allotted me the, they they allowed me the respect to tell my siblings personally. As I asked them, I said, you know, this is this is my life. This is my story. Please give me the respect. Let me tell my story to my brothers and sisters personally. I don't want this being coming third party, and they were respective of that. But yes, my sister did tell her children and her spouse separately. I mean, and I understand because she to keep it into her, it was it was eating at her. She she needed to talk to somebody. It was. It's it, very hard to keep a secret like that. It's and, very like if you know somebody says something to you, you've got to tell somebody else. And she she felt like her, she her brother had just died, and you have to understand we had just lost a sister a few months earlier. My my oldest sister had passed away from cancer a few months earlier, so we're already dealing with that as a family. And then I I tell my sister my other sister, and to her she felt like her brother had just died. Yeah. And she had lost that sibling. Um, and so she needed someone to talk to. And so she did turn to her. She turned to her husband. And she turned to her daughter. She turned to her son. And she shared with him. And she let me know that. And I was I was okay with that. Was there anyone you were nervous to come out to of your siblings? Was there anyone that you thought, you know what, this, this one's kind of conservative. Maybe they're not going to handle it so well. Yeah, I mean, again, being one of eight, you know, the first two went off to college. The last two of us went off to college. The form between... You know, sort of stayed back local, more of the local small town, you know, blue collar working kind. And I've got a, two brothers of mine who are, you know, the this iron worker, the the construction guys, the uh, the true blue collar. The ones I was most concerned about telling them, I was fearful those two siblings of mine that would be least accepting. And Cass, I can tell you right now, those two brothers have been the most accepting. They have been, they've opened up their arms to me in ways I can't express. That's amazing. They have been so loving. Um, whenever I'm having a down day, it's one of those two brothers I call. I don't know if I've done a transition journey interview yet where we have not cried. <laughs> I just... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. All right. So you had two guys where you were yeah. like, nope. These are these guys are salt of the earth. They're not going to understand yep. it, and they are like your daily touchstones on, on a it. tough day. You got it. Don't mind me, everybody. Don't mind me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm trying not to like touch my face because the coronavirus. Um, Anyways, so you have these other siblings. What yeah. about um, anybody else? Or is it smooth sailing? Do you have a good relationship with everybody now? I have a smooth relationship. I will say to you that my one, my youngest brother, found out in a little bit different manner. Uh, prior to telling my siblings, in February of 17, my younger brother was having surgery. His wife had passed away a few years earlier, and his kids were moved up. So I actually went down and spent a week with him to take care of him, to carry him to the hospital for his surgery and everything. And while visiting with him and taking care of him, uh, the subject of transgenders came up. And my younger brother is very fundamental religious, 
and was very negative, talked very negatively about the transgender community during this during this visit. And they were talking about transgender children, kids who were coming out at young ages. And his comment, his comment was, they don't know. They couldn't know. How would they know? How would these parents, how could these parents let these kids, you know, express this? And it hit me to the point where I said, you know, to my younger brother, says, they know. Trust me, they know. And his response to me is, how do you know? I said, I said, Brad, I've dealt with this all my life. Your wow. feelings I've dealt with all my life. I know how those kids feel. I did not tell him about everything else. You did tell him that you were specifically transgender. Correct. But that you had feelings of gender dysphoria. Yes, I let him know that. And it takes a lot of guts, I have to say, to look at somebody that you love and care about who had just said those derogatory things and to be able to come out like that. That takes that takes. I, I couldn't sit by and not say something. Yeah. Um, so we talked a little bit, but that, from that point in time, he clammed up on the subject. He did not say anything else. And where I'm getting to relative to that, so he knew that I was dealing with some of these issues. Um, that summer after my son's wedding, but before I had a chance to tell my younger brother, his daughter found my Facebook page because I had never had Facebook as my prior self, but as Holly, I had had a Facebook page, I created one, and she found me on Facebook. And I remember walking out of my office and my cell phone ringing, and my younger brother would be on the phone saying, "You know, Ashley has found this thing on Facebook and says this, she she thinks this is you. Is this really you?" And I'm like, Brad, yeah, that's me. I'm not going to lie to you. That is who I am. Any idea how she found you on Facebook? I have no idea how she found me on Facebook. Because you didn't exist before. You didn't have the facial recognition no. software going. No, yeah. no. Um, but obviously somehow, whether I popped up as someone she should know, I don't know. Because I'll, you know, with phone numbers in our cell phones, it's amazing how that information gets out to people. It is. And obviously she saw the picture, and I look enough like, enough like my sister. Um, and then she saw Harrisburg, PA, and she saw my profession, and she put two and two together and went to my, you know, went to my brother. Um, but I couldn't lie to him. I, 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 I wasn't going to lie to him. And I said, yes, that is me. So that one got out uncontrolled. Yeah. All right. But and to this day, how is he? He was the, he was the tough one. How's your relationship now? Uh, he is accepting because we are siblings, but he's not as warm and open. I mean... We talk on occasion on the phone, you know. I he recently got remarried. I got to, I went to his wedding. Very his wife has been very accepting, but he's it's not for him. He does not understand it. Does not ex, does not directly accept it. But he accepts me as his sibling. So you've not been cut out of his no. life. No. Um, but there's just discomfort there. Correct. And you know you don't talk often. Did you talk a lot before? Not a lot. We would talk on occasion. You know, as he was going through tough times, I tried to be there for him. Likewise, um, so we were as young kids. We were very close. But as we got older, our with our spouses and our families, we went different directions. He lived in Wisconsin. I lived in Harrisburg. He later moved to North Carolina. So there was always a physical separation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not the loss of though he were your best friend correct. and closest sibling. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Well, honestly, in a family that size. The odds were not in your favor. No, and I've been very fortunate to have all of my siblings accept me, some more so than others, and I and I understand that. Yeah, and this is still fairly recent. Yes, this is this is two this is two and a half years ago. Yeah, two and a half years ago that you just started with with everybody now, yeah. and we've talked about the children. How did you come out to the children? Um, Lisa and I decided we wanted to have the kids home for a weekend. We wanted to tell them together as a family. 
Now your son is married at this point. This is after his wedding. That's correct. And your daughter, she's still in college? She had just graduated college. She had been taking her medical, her boards for being nurse, being a nurse. Uh, She and her boyfriend were uh, living in an apartment at the time, looking to buy a house. And and Lisa and I were with them house shopping on a weekend basis. They'd give us a call. We could dad and we'd go look at houses with them and help critique them because they they wanted they did not want to spend money on rent they wanted to buy a house so we were helping them along with that process yeah um, so we invited the kids to come home for the weekend we went all together at the same time it didn't work that way our son and his wife came in Friday Saturday left Sunday morning our daughter and her boyfriend came in Sunday and stayed till Monday um, so we would have them in for the for the weekend and we sat down with them in the living room you know with our son and his wife on Friday evening and one other family to have a, a family conversation and to share with them what was going on. I will say to you, my son took it tough. Um, did you follow the protocol that you did with Lisa? You yes. spoke first. Spoke first. I had written letters to both of my children, very intimate letters, a little bit different. They were tailored for my children, not as they were different letters than I had for my I had for my siblings. We spoke first, talked about it first. I had the letters prepared. I had the photographs prepared. But again, I did not want to rush them. I my my arrangement there was to let them decide how fast they wanted to take it. Let them make the call because, I, again, I did not want to push or force anything on my kids. And you said your son took it hard. My son took it very hard at first. I know Saturday morning waking up, I was downstairs having a cup of coffee when he came down, and I could tell he spent the night crying. I, I could see it in his face. I could see he had, you know the tears were there. Um, we had all day Saturday to talk and bond and go off and drive and you know, be, be together and talk about things. Um, and it wasn't until Sunday that before my daughter showed up that my son and his wife accepted the fact they wanted to see pictures. They did not want to do this on Friday. They weren't ready on Saturday, but on Sunday they said, yes, we'd like to see some pictures of what you look like and what Holly looks like. And so at that point in time, I shared pictures of, of myself that they could then see and see how comfortable, how happy I was. And I will say to you that and I'm jumping forward a little bit. My kids will tell you the pictures they see me on Facebook, the pictures they see me now with Holly, they said, they'll tell you that they've never seen my prior self ever smile as much, ever oh. be as happy as I am today. So they get it now. They fully understand it. They fully understand it. So it was a tough weekend with my son, and there was a period of time it took to adjust. But I mean, this was August, and by October of 17, we had already, we had by then shared it with. My daughter-in-law's full family. So, I mean, it did not take long to work it through, but it was taking the right steps up front to talk to them and, and be respectful of their feelings. Well, I appreciate how well you remember these dates because I, I'm loving hearing, you know, September of 2014, January of 15, June of 17. You know, this is the whole point of what you're emphasizing yeah. is it, it's a journey. It's a very long it's journey. It's a marathon yes. of a journey. Uh, how did your daughter take it? She showed up Sunday. My daughter and her boyfriend showed up Sunday, and you know we had uh, lunch together. And after lunch, she says, "You know, Beth and Rob, we want Lisa and I want to talk to you. We, you know, we want to talk to you about some stuff. Let's go. Let's come on in the other room and sit down and talk." So Lisa and I sat down on the couch, and across the room we have like this extra wide chair that you know, two people can fit in. You know, like not quite a love seat, but something you can cuddle up in. And so my daughter and her boyfriend are sitting in a chair, and Lisa and I look at them and say, "We have something we want to share. We need to t- we have something we need to tell you. It's very personal." And our daughter looks at us, and the tears start rolling down her face, and she goes, we already know. I said, what do you mean you already know? What do you already know? We already know. And 
she first, she looks at she goes, all we want to know is, are you guys getting a divorce? Wow. And wait, and how like, did she know? Wait, what? Our daughter, again, being a nurse, she came home one weekend in April. And again, we understand we're trying to keep this from her so she's not worrying about this while she's sitting to take her, her, her graduating courses and stuff. She came home one weekend in April and she was looking for something to surprise my wife with. So she was looking, she was rooting around in our room, all right? Mm -hmm. She was doing a little snooping. And all of a sudden she comes across clothing, which she first thinks is my wife's and realized, wait, that's not mom's. And then she comes across a prescription for my estrogen and sees my name on it. And being a nurse, she immediately figures out what's going on. Yeah. Started doing some digging more and she finds the same picture. The pictures I'm sharing with you, she finds the stack of pictures that I was using to share with my siblings. And opens up the closets and finds clothing that's not my wife's and immediately starts putting things together. She calls her boyfriend on the phone and she's crying to him saying, explaining what, what she's finding. And, you know, he was absolute, an absolute rock to her, you know, and says, you know, that your parents, I'm sure your, your parents are fine. Please, you know, they'll tell you what's going on in their own time. Please, you know, be, you know he was a support, a rock to her. Oh my God, how old is this young man? We're like 24? About 22, 23 years old, age wow. at the time. Wow. Um, he was her rock. And understand, this, again, this whole time we're out looking at houses and he's calling me up and we're talking about things and he knows this whole time what's going on and I don't realize he knows this. And he's, and he's not just keeping it in. Keeping it in. That's so respectful. Uh, he's a gem. He's a gem of a young man. Let me simply say that. So. <laughs> so crying. So. I mean, we have this, you know, this, this family get together in, in August and, you know, my daughter's thinking that, you know, my wife and I are going to get a divorce because in the process of looking around in the one spare bedroom, we have this trendle bed and it's got all these little egg crate, you know, pads on it to help make things you know, a little more padded. And it looks like someone's been sleeping in that bed. So she's immediately thinking we're sleeping apart, you know, that we're getting a divorce and every, you know, she wants to know, am I going to be there for her wedding when she gets married? You know, it's like, you know, first off, we're not getting divorced. And the answer is yes, I'm going to be there. I will, you know, I'll walk you down the aisle. You know, I, I will be there for you. Yeah. And once that was done, nothing else mattered. She was fine. <laughs> she was fine. Um, and I have to say to you, Cass, that to this day, my children are my biggest supporters. They, they are my biggest allies. They are there for me. Uh, they would go to my defense in our heartbeat. That's just... Amazing. So your daughter's getting married. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We're not letting this young man go. No. At, <laughs> at, actually, at this point in time, they weren't even engaged. At this point in time, they were just, you know, they were dating, mm -hmm. but you know, they both they both knew they loved each other that much. So, no, they weren't engaged at that point in time. They have since become engaged, and, yes, they are getting married. So we're out now doing all the wedding planning, the venue, the venue uh, reviews, and all that kind of wonderful fun stuff. Which can now. be a very stressful time. So, you know, it's a lot I, I will tell you, as somebody who's photographed a lot of weddings, it's a marathon, not a sprint, <laughs> to continue with the theme of this show. Yes. Um, so. And, you know, with everything that's going on in the world, just take your time yeah. and, and enjoy the process yes. the best you can. Smell the roses and take your time and... Yeah. So let's jump forward. Yeah. You're out to everyone. You're the president of Transcentral PA. You own a business. I was not was not out of my business yet. At this point in time, I'm out of my family, but not out to my business people at my office, of course. And again, it's a, it's an architectural engineering mm -hmm. company. I've got several business partners. I'm about to take on some new partners. All this is all going on. Yeah. So yeah. Um, but then you, you came out to your workplace. That was the next step, starting to come out to my business partners. 
letting them know what was going on. And I hinted to them that I need to talk about something very personal, but I had not told them what it was at this point in time. So I started coming up to my business partners in the fall of fall of 17. Uh, we were about to offer you know, a partnership to three, three young engineers in the office. Um, and I would not accept any money from them or any partnership from them until they knew what they were buying into, plain and simple. Again, trying to be respectful of, of you know, their, their, their position in life. And as a result, one of the three said, no, absolutely not, and had subsequently left the office. Wow. Um, the other two both uh, indicated acceptance. They both moved forward. They both bought into the company. And, I, and, of course, telling my partners, and we would actually have the partners in to the house along with their spouses, and we shared with them that way. We told, you know, we had them over to our house or out to dinner and shared with them what was going on. Um, I will say to you, though, it's not, it, it's been a rocky road. All right, yeah. I'll be upfront with you. Is we, we've talked prior, it's been a little bit of a rocky road. But you know, everything else has been a success. Yeah. So your plans have changed. I know with your business, you're not yeah. going to retire as early as you had planned. No. Nope. But projecting forward. Yeah. Where are you a year from now? A year from now, hope, you know, everything that I've gone through with my business, which has been it's a tough. You know, we're back at a rebuilding phase right now. You know, as as far as addressing the. Uh, the losses that we dealt with. Uh, a year from now, back on track, back moving forward as far as, we're, we're, we're moving forward now. Please understand, I got some great clients, you know, and some great people I work with. But You've got the people on your team who support you who support and believe me. in you. That's correct. And it's I've not got, the full house you once had. That's correct. And the clients I have right now are there because they want to be there with with me. They, 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 they hired us for what we know, who we are, and the fact that I'm transgender, where they they're there to support me, all right? Mm -hmm. They're there, they're hiring us because of what we provide as a professional business, all right? So a year from now, your business going strong. Going strong. And arranging at that point in time to sell the business, hopefully, you know, in, in, in let's say three to three to five years because there's too much of life to live. I don't, you know, I don't want to, you know, work until I'm 75 or 80 years of age. I want to enjoy life. So How does that look for you? What would be enjoying life for Holly? Traveling. Yeah. Uh, spending time with my grandchildren, with my children, my grandchildren, with my siblings. You know, we're not getting any younger. You know, I, like I said, I'm number seven of eight, so I've got older siblings that are in their 70s. You know, I want to spend time with my, with my brothers and sisters, do things with them, spend time with my children, spend time with my spouse, traveling, doing things, enjoying life. You know, get up in the morning, have a cup of coffee in a back patio or a back deck, smell the roses, hop in the car, go for a ride, go do some things see things, experience life, and also, most importantly, I've got a whole different passion for supporting people, being there for people, all right, working with people, not in a, you know, I've spent the last 30-some years in a business, again, acquiring assets, and, and, and those things drove me. It's not about that. I've learned so much. Life is about so much more than that. Life is about people and connections and who you're with and the people you love. So your advocacy is just going to grow. Yes, Yes, and that that is where I see my life going. That's that, that's three years, five years, ten years on the road. I mean, right now, unfortunately, I'm still in that phase of putting a lot more, a lot more time in my business to to right the ship to get things back on track. But it's going that way. It's it's been you know a year of getting there, and we're, I, I see it. You know, the lights there. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Finally, it's going the right direction. And when I get to that point, I can start spending more time advocating for transgender individuals to be there for families, to be there for uh, whether it be the actual individuals or their families or you know, their parents, their brothers and sisters, or just being able to be there to help out.
Well, I can see it. I mean, I, I know that you had gone through a tough time, um, but wow, you have just championed through. And your stories uh, with your children and your, your wife and your siblings, they're going to impact so many people. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today and sharing the story of your journey, but also for all the work that you do as an advocate currently and what I know you're going to be doing in the future when you are not bogged down with the business and you just get to be advocate, your retired Holly full time. Yes. Yeah. Which is what I want to be when I, I can truly be, you know, have all the time to do that with. That's amazing. Well, Holly, thank you so much. I thank yes. you for coming on the show. This has been an absolute an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. You know, this 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 has been an honor for me to share my story with you. So, thank you. All right. And listeners, thank you. If you are listening to this podcast, if you believe in our mission of outreach, support, and education for the transgender community, please subscribe, sign up, become a patron for $9 a month. You can watch this video and see all the transformative photos uh, that Holly has shared with us and the beautiful earrings uh, that one of our vendors had made that you had given me. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Listeners, thank you for your support, and uh, I hope to connect with you soon. Never miss a single podcast by signing up for our newsletter at myfeminineheart.com.